What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, and today on the day after the trade deadline, I am joined by Chris Grenham. Let's begin on a happy note. Uh, Grenham, what's, what, what did you think was the biggest pro yesterday? I mean, they went out and got a playmaking scoring wing, right? That's what they've needed for a while. The Celtics wing depth, I feel like we've talked about it a nauseating amount at this point in the season, but their wing depth stinks outside of they, – they've got no one outside of Tatum and Brown. And so the fact that they were able to go get Evan Fournier, who really, really feels a real need for this team in the short term – is a massive pro. He's a good pick and roll ball handler. He can score at the rim. I mean, you put up in your BDC article yesterday, his shot chart. I mean, his shot chart is beautiful. It's nice and distributed. It's exactly what you're looking for, especially on a team where you don't necessarily have a lot of guys who can get to the rim outside of the top of your roster. So the fact that he's a reliable shooter from the elbow, from the corners, and he can get to the rim off the dribble. He's a good playmaker. Like Fournier really does give this team a legitimate offensive boost, which they've certainly needed of late. Definitely. And you mentioned the wing depth. And I think that also extends to the bench depth, which is the yeah. other thing that we've talked about ad nauseum. Like Danny talked to the media this morning and he, one of the things that he mentioned was how the Celtics have like 32 minutes of a 48 minute game where they play pretty well. And there just kind of seem to be stretches where they don't. And I think one thing that's notable about that is in Fournier, they are getting a guy who can be a 32 minute per game player. And, and obviously like, I, I know that like the numbers there aren't like a perfect one to one, but like, when you just kind of add another good player, not only does he add to the starting lineup or the second unit or whatever it is, but like if, if Fournier starts, then Marcus Smart goes to the bench and the bench gets better. If Smart starts, then Fournier goes to the bench and the bench still gets better. And those are just more minutes of good players on the floor. And that's been such a problem for the Celtics. Like, you know, like, I'm sorry. Like a lot of the guys who are playing right now are promising, but they are not good players yet. I think that's just been a major problem. So I think improving the bench depth is one of the biggest things the Celtics did yesterday. And then doing it by going out and getting a guy who scores 20 points a game, who can shoot off the dribble, who can get to the rim, who can, you know, score out of the pick and roll. Danny Ainge mentioned that he's a playmaker and, you know, Fournier isn't like an, like an elite passer necessarily, but I do think that there is something to just having a guy who can run a pick and roll and just kind of like, has the feel of it. You know, he knows, yeah. okay, if I if I come around this screen, the big is going to be right here. And it, even if you're not like a perfect passer, just kind of having that feel for it really helps. Like you said, I wouldn't really consider him like a good passer or a great passer by any means. Not yeah. something you highlight, but he's a smart passer. Like he's a smart player. He makes good reads in the pick and roll. And I think that's most important with his game. He's not going to kill you with turnovers. He's not going to try and force things. Like he makes good reads and he's a smart passer. And the Celtics don't really have a lot of those guys that can do that as a pick and roll ball handler. Like, you know, you look at a guy like Peyton Pritchard or something, he's being thrust into some heavy, heavy usage earlier in the season. Like that's the trickle down effect you're talking about when you bring in a guy like Fournier, where now that's not as much of a need. You're not going to be, you know, needing major, major minutes out of a guy like Pritchard who's still developing a lot of his game. I think a couple of uh, just kind of basketball things about Fournier. He's really good at handoffs. He, uh, and I think that that's something the Celtics have really missed where you have Jalen and Jason who can break guys down off the dribble and, and who can run a pick and roll really well. 
But somebody like Fournier, I, I see him maybe filling something. I'm not saying he's, I'm obviously not saying he's going to be Isaiah Thomas. I think offensively, there is something there where Thomas collapsed the defense. IT collapsed the defense every time, you know, he got the ball from Horford and he would just rock it into the paint. I think Fournier can do some of that. What you're really getting out there is he's making life easier offensively for Tatum and Brown, which is like the ultimate goal here. Spacing the floor a little bit, opening things up for the two of those guys because they've had so much on their shoulders offensively more than anything. They needed help. They needed something to lighten the load a little bit. And Fournier does that right off the bat. But yeah, he gives Brad Stevens a little more flexibility from a dribble handoff standpoint, from a pick and roll standpoint. Like there's a lot of good things that he can work with. He just didn't have those kind of openings earlier in the season with his personnel. Definitely. Um, the other thing to probably know about Fournier is he's a really good pull-up three-point shooter, yeah. um, which gives, so the Celtics have now two of those guys because Tatum is too. I'm interested to see how that looks because Jalen can pull up and hit threes. I would not say that's like his strength. I think his strength is definitely more obviously the slashing and then he can yeah. hit threes, you know, and especially, I mean, some of these, <laughs> some of these three-point shooting nights he's had recently have been ridiculous. And I, I don't yeah. know how I don't think we can call them sustainable necessarily. They're going to make 10 threes a night. Yeah. yeah I, don't, <laughs> I mean, if, if Jalen starts doing that, then I retract everything and this is <laughs> contenders. But, yeah, but, you know, I mean, just kind of having that extra, that extra pull-up uh, ability. And the other thing about Fournier is, you know, he's kind of a guard wing, but he's 6'7". Mm-hmm. He's big. He's really tall. And he's really confident with his with, with everything. I mean, he, he seems like a really confident player, honestly. But he's really confident with his shot. He's really confident with his handle. I, I think there's – I think he's a really good player – you know, just that has to go in the pros for all the negatives about yesterday, the Celtics went out and I know he's an expiring contract. He is a good player who they acquired for two second round picks. And that's not nothing. He's a vet too. Like he's an adult. When you watch him play, there's a lot of guys who have nice size in the NBA who are on the younger side who don't really know how to use it at this point. It's almost like they're a younger kid still growing into their body in a sense, because they've always been the most athletic guy on the floor and they can use that. Well, Fournier knows how to use his body to his advantage. Like he gets to the rim with really nice body control. And he's always, always seems to be like very calculated in what he's doing on the floor. That's kind of an overlooked thing, I think, with his size that should go a long way. But I think, yeah, maybe you want to get to some of the cons here, starting with the contract. So to me, one of the big cons is if you look at the Celtics cap situation, they are going to have a very hard time paying for things. Kemba Walker's deal has two more years on it. Jalen Brown's extension just kicked in. Jason Tatum's extension kicks in next year. Fournier is going to be expensive if you want to bring him back. I mean, I, you know, he's on a, he's on a four-year $80 million deal right now that, you know, has like kind of descending in value. He's 28 and he's scoring 29, uh, 20 points a game. I, I mean, I feel like you, you're definitely not getting him for less than 20 uh, a, a year at this stage. And I think, I think, I think Fournier is going to be paid. And when you look at that, I mean, like smarts coming off the books soon, Rob Williams is going to need an extension. This team is going to get expensive really, really fast. And I mean, it's either going to get expensive or they're going to lose Fournier. And like the latter, I think is probably worse than the former. Even if they lose Fournier, they're still barely under the luxury tax. Say he does walk. It's not like that opens up a world of cap flexibility that they desperately need to hit the open market. It's like their hands are pretty tied one way or another, which is really tough. Like you said, they have they have Fournier's bird right, so they're going to have to pay him a decent amount if they do want to keep him around, and I have a hard time seeing them not. Danny Ainge definitely sounded like he wanted to go that route. The long-term cap ramifications, like this team's in trouble when it comes to that, and, and they're in a pretty rough spot. Let's move on to another um, to, to another pro. Tice, as a pick-and-pop player, gave the Celtics an added dimension. 
Um, but I don't think he was like a particularly effective pick and pop player. I suspect that Wagner, I, th- I think Wagner's probably a little bit better shooter than his percentages say. I mean, he's, he shot almost 40% in college and I know he's mm-hmm. never been like an, like an elite free throw shooter or anything, but he does seem like a guy who defenses have to respect behind the three point line. And one way or the other, I think it was smart that the Celtics addressed that because Rob Williams obviously is going to get more minutes. Rob is not a spacing big man. And Tristan Thompson is going to get a lot of minutes. He's obviously not a spacing big man. If there was a situation where you needed to drag an opposing team out behind the three-point line, I, I, I don't think you want to make like Tatum your center and try to, you know, and try to do that. So I think going out and, and getting that element probably means a small amount of something. And I think that was a small benefit to it. No, there's certainly value in, in what Wagner brings to this team. I mean, Ainge on Toucher and Rich this morning talked about how hard he plays. Like he highlighted that again and again. And he does, like he does rack up the hustle stats. I know he, I think is tied with Kemba in charges this year. So he'd be at the top of the Celtics roster and charges taken like that sort of thing. So that kind of energy is something the Celtics are always looking for, especially this team. They've gone through some serious energy lapses this season. So, so that helps, but from a pick and pop perspective, like, yeah, he stretches the floor pretty nicely and he provides a nice pick and pop option. You look at his numbers and he hasn't shot the ball all that consistently this year. As a as the podcast's resident Wizards fan, I can tell you that the opportunities are like frustratingly sporadic for Mo Wagner. Scott Brooks's rotation is so inconsistent, and he'll go through stretches where he'll play solid minutes for two weeks straight, and then you won't see him in the rotation for three straight games, and then he'll pop back. Like the ebbs and flows of that Wizards rotation are nauseating, and Mo Wagner was a definite like victim of that. And so I think you need to take that into context when you look at some of his numbers. But if he can shoot the ball a little more for, at a consistent rate out of the pick and pop, like that definitely provides some upside. But more than anything, like he's a big that stretches the floor that they didn't really have before. I think people who looked at that deal and kind of saw like, oh, Wag- Wagner's just kind of like Cornette. He's just kind of a throwaway. I don't think that's giving Wagner enough credit. Like I do think he brings some value to the bench and the Celtics bench doesn't have much value to begin with. Interesting thing about Wagner, he created, I know people like to dunk on screen assists as a, as a stat, 5.6 per game in, uh, in 15 minutes per game. Like, yeah, or 5.6, I think it's points created, but still it was like, you know, second on the Wizards behind Thomas Bryant or third, excuse me, behind uh, Lopez as well. But, yeah. you know, like not bad. Like you said, he, he drew some charges and the Celtics, obviously, it's funny how many guys the Celtics have who like to draw charges. Like obviously Smart does and, and Kemba seems to really like to for whatever reason, but throw Wagner into, the, into that mix as well. The good news for the Celtics and for Celtics fans is that this means more Rob Williams minutes. And, and yep. that's, you know, I think clearly part of what this was. Danny kind of acknowledged that in his comments. And you know, like, I mean, the big part of it, and let's get into the cons with it, because the big part of it is that they traded away their starting center to shed salary. That's tough. Like, I know they have like multiple bigs, like they have guys on their bench who can start. Tristan Thompson has looked a lot better recently. I still don't think he's the best fit on this team. And I I mean, I feel like I've made my thoughts pretty clear on that. But also, you know, Rob has played quite a bit better. But the long and the short of it to me is like it's you traded Daniel Tice and, you know, Jeff Teague, not Jeff Teague and Javante Green for a couple of guys who are going to be very close to the bottom of your rotation. I get why they had to do it and I get why they want Fournier, but that's a tough look. I, I get why they had to do it. And the optimist in me says, hey, no more double bigs. You get more Rob and that's a positive. But Daniel Tice is a very good player to lose him solely to, you know, slip under that luxury tax. That's tough. There's really no way around it like that. That is tough. And it automatically 
as a whole does downgrade your front court. I know Rob playing more minutes is a positive, and I think that was certainly a factor in this in this deal because, yeah, he's shown some major, major improvements, and the Celtics do like his upside a ton. They want to get him some more minutes, and Danny Ainge told us this morning that he's going to walk into a bigger role here, so that's great. But losing Dice makes this front court worse, in, in the short term at least. And so more than anything, that's just kind of a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, I mean, Tice is a good player, and I get why he's expendable. He's not You don't build your franchise around Daniel Tice. He's a, he's, a, he's a good starting center who made $5 million a year. There's value in that, and especially when you start to look at what the Celtics' money crunch is going to look like. you know, And he would have contributed to that. He was only making $5 million for this year. He's, an, he's a free agent after this season. And I'm sure part of it was Danny Ainge looking at it and just being like, I'm not going to be able to pay this guy anything. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, yeah. uh, there's going to be no money available for, for Daniel Tice, uh, especially after Rob gets paid too. So I, I'm sure that was part of it as well. But yeah, it, it's a tough loss for the Celtics. I, I, Daniel Tice was a really good player. They're, they're going to miss him both on and off the court, I think. Yeah, I think this deal, obviously it sucks for them to lose Tice because he's been so good. But it does put in perspective his, his arc with the Celtics. No one really knew much about him when he came in. He worked his tail off, was really, really good, and became like a very reliable rotation piece. I think that while he was in Boston kind of went overlooked at how much his value had risen in his short time with the Celtics. So he he really did a lot for this team. So it does really suck to lose him. As we were talking, I, I, I went over to Instagram just to see if I was right, that we were going to get a bunch of sad uh, Instagram posts. And sure enough, the very first one on my stories list here is um, Jalen, uh, my little bro at Daniel Tice. It was a pleasure. They're giving each other a high five. Daniel Tice is definitely older than Jalen Brown. I'm pretty sure Daniel Tice is like 27, 28. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what are the pros and cons do you have? Uh, either category. What, what do you have down yet? I don't know. The, the more I think about it, the more the long-term cap situation becomes a con. That's pretty ugly. And again, I wasn't fully there yesterday afternoon, but as we moved later and later and I thought more about it, like that's, that's a major, major combat outside of that. Like I don't really have a ton more. I think I'm very curious to see what they do with Luke Cornett. If they're going to buy him out, if they're going to waive him because there's some buyout candidates out there, like I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I don't see Andre Drummond coming. I know he's going to, according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo sports, he's going to listen to the Celtics pitch there's no real reason for him to come to the Celtics. And I don't really see, I don't see that happening. So I know when they got Cornette, everyone was like, ah, he's going to get bought out. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks around. I think it was Adam Himmelsbach from the globe who tweeted last night that they don't have plans at the moment to buy him out. So we will, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Also another con if before we jump forward is like Javante green is a big deal to Jason Tatum. He's he's tight with Tatum, so like that hurts. But also, Javante Green is just a great dude. I know you tweeted yeah. about it yesterday. He's a good locker room guy, and I know sometimes people amplify a little bit too much the value of a locker room guy. But in a season where the team is struggling and the team's had a lot of ups and downs, like you do need guys like that who everyone likes and he can keep everyone loose. Javante Green was certainly that. He was a great, great dude in his short time with the Celtics. He had a really unique journey to the NBA, which was a lot of fun to kind of like dig into and learn about. And yeah, I mean, he was, he was very funny in the locker room. I mean, I remember what Nicole obviously isn't on the pod with us today, but I, I, uh, she wrote a story about Javante solving Rubik's cubes and she has, everybody should harass Nicole for this. I don't think she ever put out the video of him doing it. She just like took a, she, she took video of yeah. him solving a Rubik's cube. I think she said something in the middle of it and didn't want everybody to hear her talking. <laughs> it sounds and, about uh, right. 
Yeah. 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 So, so everybody harassed Nicole to try to get the Rubik's cube, uh, release the Snyder cut, Nicole, let's get this. Thing <laughs> also, Javante was one of the few guys were going through his warm up routines. He would come over and just talk to us as we were sitting there trying to look busy sitting on the sidelines. So like, he was just yeah. a really nice guy. He was funny for sure. Yeah. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, so just to briefly touch on the bio, guys, like you said, I have a hard time seeing Drummond coming to Boston. And if he does, like, then what are we even doing here? Because, yeah. I mean, Rob needs more minutes. <laughs> like, I don't you, know why. You, you one of the reasons you got rid of Tice, your starting center, yes, to get under the luxury tax, but also is because the front court was too crowded and double big lineups stink. Like, I don't think you really need to go out and get a high usage big man. <laughs> right. I mean, the LaMarcus Aldridge was mentioned as a guy that the Celtics, I mean, he's not, he's going to Miami. I think everybody knows yeah. that at this stage. So, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Otto Porter. If he gets bought out, sure. I guess my thing with buyout guys is the Celtics are so close to the luxury tax as it is. Like they are bumping right up against it if they make the, like, which LOL, but if they make the Eastern <laughs> Conference finals, they're bumping right up against it. So, like, I don't know how much they can really add realistically i'm not sure that anybody like Otto porter or andre drummond or any of these dudes like adds that much anyway like, the, I, like this, I agree this team kind of is what it is yeah i i totally agree and i think that's really important that there's already such a tiny window for them to have any sort of cap wiggle room like are any of these guys going to take it to the next level no so is it probably better just to hang on to luke Cornett at the end of the roster keep the team as it is because you're not going to get that jump like also, yeah, I talked about Otto Porter a lot yesterday. I didn't realize the Magic were getting his bird rights. Like, they could they could value that. Having a vet guy like that on their roster next year might be something they're interested in. Like, maybe they do want to keep him around. And it sounded like initially when that deal got done that they weren't considering buying him out. So, outside of him, like, I don't really think there's many intriguing options. You want to go get Kelly Olenek and throw you over the luxury tax? Like, probably not. I, I agree with you. I don't think there is a whole lot of like feasible situations where it's, it's worth going out and pushing the limits on your cap situation. So big picture stuff. The Celtics obviously want to be a contending team. They want to be a championship team. What is the path to that? Both like, and I think we, we can look at it both positively and negatively. If you look at this kind of like glass half full how do you see the Celtics or like a championship team or at very least like a team that, that could, you know, reasonably make the Eastern conference finals and compete in the Eastern conference finals. Like how do we see this team doing that as constructed or within like kind of the re like a reasonable right. construction of the team? It's really hard to think about them as a contender, even an Eastern conference finals contender, because one, the Eastern conference is really damn good, very top heavy, Somewhere at that top, like the Celtics do not compete with those teams up there yeah. at all. And in their current form or in, in any realistic form down the road, as far as I'm concerned right now, Fournier is a really nice core addition to this group. Say they can bring him in long term, which puts him in a brutal cap situation. But say they use his bird rights, they bring him in long term. Yeah, he's a really good offensive piece that helps open the floor for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Do I think that core around this current roster as it stands right now is a contender in the Eastern Conference? No. And I don't see them having a lot of wiggle room to make that 
case for them being a contender down the road, unless they were to make some massive trade in the offseason to go get a guy like Bradley Beal, because I think that's how you maybe push the envelope. Again, they're they're in a really tight spot salary cap wise, and I don't think they have a lot of flexibility. They're pretty strapped right now. I, I don't see a long-term contending outlook here, at least in the next year or two, unless they make that big move to try and go get a Bradley Beal or something like that, which I then think opens things up. It feels like the only way that they become contenders is if Jalen and Jason take yet another leap. How much more can you ask from these guys at this stage? Yeah. Like, I don't see, I, and I'm not saying that they've been perfect this year by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, how many times can you can you say like, okay, like, you know, the, the, the fate of the franchise rests on these two guys leveling up yet again. Like it just, that continues to be, I guess, like the franchise direction. And that's tough. And a big part of that obviously is the exodus. It's just the amount of talent that's walked out the door. I, you know, I wrote about this the other day. Like if you, if you looked at the starting lineup of the five guys who walked with good chemistry would be probably better than the current Celtics team. Gordon yeah, Hayward, Irving, Al Horford, Marcus Morris, and Terry Rozier, kind of a tough squad, pretty that's good basketball good. team kind of expecting the Celtics to contend knowing that an entire starting lineup of a potential, definitely an Eastern conference, uh, you know, playoff team that that all walked out the door. How can you expect this team to contend? And that's the situation Danny finds himself in. And like, that's, that's what makes this so difficult. I think trying to look at it from a positive perspective. I think that what could happen, like I think Fournier could spark some things offensively and if something is sparked offensively and this just becomes more fun for everybody, yeah, maybe maybe things pick up. Because I, one sure. of the things that everybody's talked about is like there's just a fun element missing. And mm-hmm. when you start winning games, things get more fun. And if things get more fun, maybe you win more games. And maybe it becomes this like this this good snowball effect, right? Where, where yeah. things just kind of build in a nice way. And, and at the end of the at the end of the season, you got this giant snowball that you know you can build with going build a big snowman with going forward, whatever. <laughs> but like that's a lot to ask of Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier was it the is. third best player on an Orlando team that's 15 and 29 asking him to come in and like save the Celtics like that's there's there's context involved in all of that obviously one of the pieces of context is that the Celtics have two players who are much better than anybody he was playing with in Orlando so that that matters certainly but I mean I I even think like I think there's a good chance that Fournier could spark some fun I think he's a good locker room guy he's a vet I don't think that fun brings them anywhere closer to being an Eastern Conference Finals contender like I don't even think they could have the most fun of any team in the NBA for the rest of the year. They could love playing together. Maybe they make the Eastern Conference Finals. Maybe. They certainly don't win it. Like, I still don't think, like, that's the problem. This upside is rather limited for the time being. The reason is because in the the last few years, the Celtics have been, like, semi-contenders. And part of the reason is because there isn't some superstar team at the top of the Eastern Conference. Exactly. And this year, it feels like there's two of them. And they can't, are, and I, as far as I'm concerned, they still can't stick with Milwaukee either. Yeah. Those are monster teams. The other thing that I think is is somewhat concerning is so the Celtics held on to their first round pick, which I think is good because I don't think I don't think you can like realistically if the, if the Orlando if Orlando was going to demand like a, a lottery like a, a pick that could end up in the lottery if the Celtics like you know kind of continue to spiral down and or if they like end up in the play in game and they lose yeah. like it would have been a disaster. If we're talking still like pros and cons, you want to look at the positive side of things from yesterday. I think there really is, it's easy to say Monday morning quarterback after it's all happened, but there's something to be said about keeping that draft pick A for maybe a guy, say they struggle here and they can grab a, a contributor in the draft this year, or B as an asset come offseason if they're trying to make a if they're trying to make a bigger move, which I think they will. I think that's important to keep that in the holster. 
Exactly. I don't think the Celtics needed to make a move that would like, I, I don't think the only thing the Celtics could do with the TPE was make a move that would make them a contender because it would, it takes a lot to make them a contender. hundred percent. But what you can't do if you're going to make a move that doesn't make you a contender is start giving up your picks. That's then you're really, can't. then your hands are really tied. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, the Celtics now, they still have some options. They still have some, you know, sort of nuclear options if they absolutely have to. And as things stand right now, I guess the Celtics made like an okay move. Getting Fournier, like get, getting yeah. Fournier, he's a good player. And honestly, I could see a world where he helps them more than Aaron Gordon would. Like, you know, before the deadline, I kind of talked myself into Gordon. The thing with Gordon is that he just isn't necessarily good yet. It's it's certainly possible that he goes to Denver and he just thrives. It's certainly possible that he would have gone to Boston and just thrived. But you just, you, you don't know that at this stage. And I think... Yeah. If he does thrive in Denver, there's going to be a lot of, it's not even going to be Monday morning at that point. It'll be like Wednesday morning quarterbacking, breaking, like saying like, well, why didn't the Celtics trade for this guy? They could have had this guy. They could have put an extra pick in the deal. The thing to remember is is what we know right now about Aaron Gordon, which is that like, there's not enough there to go out and start like planning your whole team around him. Planning your whole team around him. And especially at that cost, like it's a serious, serious cost where like you really handcuff yourself moving forward, which I do think this team wants to leave open the possibility of a bigger deal down the road as they always have. That's just kind of the way this front office tends to approach things. So exactly. I think the problem for the Celtics kind of, it kind of remains the problem for the Celtics because it it always was is building a contender with this core is going to be really hard now that everybody left. I mean, and that's brutal. Like, I don't know what the solution is because I I mean, you can't get them back. Like, (laughs) and, and, and the money's, the money's out the door and, you know, the, and the money's tied up. This team is either going to need to be a contender because they improve and they become one, or this team's title contention window is closing because you can't add much more to this to this squad at this right. point. It's it's been a rough it's been a rough couple of years for the Celtics when you uh, when you kind of break it down. It's been a rough go, and it's not getting any better. We probably shouldn't get too deep into it because we need to see what Fournier looks like. We need to see how good right. the team is. Like, we don't know yet at this stage. Maybe they're good. But it's easy to get into it. It's easy it's, to get into those nuclear options, which shows you how dim that future is right now. Exactly. It's just very hard to see this team. I'm sorry. It's just very hard to see this team ever competing with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. I don't think you can, I don't think you can fault Danny for bringing in Evan Fournier for two second-round picks. The other thing to remember is that what Danny did was he prioritized Evan Fournier over Daniel Tice because he had to trade Daniel Tice to bring in Evan Fournier. And you know what? That makes sense to me too. If the price for Evan Fournier is, it's a lot of seconds, but you know, if the the price for Evan Fournier is the two seconds that you sent out for four seconds, essentially. Yeah. For essentially four seconds and, you know, Jeff Teague and Daniel Tice and uh, Javante Green, like, God bless all those guys. Fournier probably moves the needle more than they do. And, and, and Rob Williams might down the road as well. So like, I think yeah. Danny made a perfectly fine deal in the short term. And it's, and it's tough to fault him for thinking short term because the long term is so difficult to predict at this point. And so you might, I guess you might as well take a swing now. I think Danny's decision to go and get Fournier with the assumption that we're probably not going to be able to afford Tice this offseason. There's no one out there that's really going to firmly move the needle compared to Fournier. Like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. He helps the team right now. And if they have confidence that they can use his bird rights and go get him and bring him back in the offseason, sure, it's a really awful cap situation. But like, I think short-term, what the Celtics did, it does make sense. Long-term, it was going to be dark no matter what. The Celtics went out and got a guy who sets them up for three scenarios, right? The first scenario being that this team is, is, is much better than we thought they were. Unlikely, but sure, whatever. Like, let's say that's on the table. 
the, the, the alternative is that they do end up deciding to go out and trade for Bradley Beal. And if you do that, then you brought in another player who can help. I don't know that if I would see Fournier as like a, a small forward necessarily. He feels more like a tall shooting guard, but he is tall enough to be a small forward. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you wanted to go out and trade for Bradley Beal, you have another guy currently on your team who can contribute quite a bit right away and, and help you win games now. You improved your depth and you also improved like what your team could be if you have to go out and make a big move without tearing down everything. And then there's the third option, which is going nuclear, at which point it doesn't even matter who else is on your team because you're going to blow everything up anyway. I think if you look at those three scenarios, the the downside of Fournier is kind of mitigated enough in all of them that it was good, that it was a perfectly acceptable trade. It doesn't speak great to Boston's long-term future, but I mean, the last two years have not spoken great to to Boston's long-term future. So I I think making a move that kind of helps right now is, is probably okay because again, the nuclear option was going to be the nuclear option anyway. Yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. The short-term band-aid makes a lot of sense. The long-term outlook sucks. And that was not going to change regardless of what you did at the deadline. The long-term outlook was always going to be very dark, which is a very crappy way to look at things, but that's, that's just the realistic case with this team right now. One thing that'll be funny is if Fournier stinks, then they essentially did the, the Perkins for Jeff Green deal a second time. Yep. Where they traded like a big who definitely helps. And then you know, they got back. <laughs> it'll be it'll be funny if Fournier stinks. I don't think he's going to. I think he's a much better player than Jeff Green was in 2011. Yeah. Or whatever it was. Funny, funny is one word for it. I don't think Celtics fans would use that word for it, but I have confidence in Fournier. I do think he'll help this offense. Oh, one other thing about Fournier I wanted to bring up. What are they going to do with lineups on this team? You can't play Kemba, Smart, Fournier, Jalen, Jason. What is your closing lineup? Fournier is pretty clutch. He's a pretty good clutch player. You also, you could really, really take some positives from him being on the closing, uh, in the closing lineups alongside Tatum and Brown to open things up. Like the floor has not been spaced well in some of those closing lineups and Fournier helps that a lot. So what do you do with smart? Cause you probably need smart out there. And if you don't put smart out there, the guy is going to understandably just be like, dude, what do I have to do? Yeah, exactly. And he, and I agree with him. Like, what yeah. does he have to do? So and if you're getting, if you're Kemba, you're like, I'm known for my big games. And like, right. Yeah, like, right. And, and then and you like, suddenly you have Jason Tatum playing center. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> offensively, you could pull that off and you'd be tough to stop, but like defensively, he's great on defense, but not, I don't know if he's that versatile. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're like so, Jason Tatum is not Giannis Antetokounmpo at this point. No, um, I mean, I am, I'm fascinated to see what they do from a lineup standpoint because Brad Stevens is in an interesting position. That's actually why I thought there was another big move coming yesterday. Right. I mean, Clear up this bottleneck. You have to, and then they yeah. didn't. I'm like, I guess you don't have to, so we'll see. <laughs> First couple games here, that will be the interesting look to see how they adjust. I mean, assuming it sounds like Fournier might have the ability to play against OKC. I know he's yeah. flying to Boston Friday morning, get his physical, and then he could fly to OKC, but we will see. One way or the other, it's be a fascinating couple of weeks to watch the Boston oh. Celtics. So I guess that's what that's there's our there's your positive, right? There's there's Geno time coming in positive. You <laughs> should definitely watch the Celtics for the next couple of weeks because this is going to be really, really interesting. And I think it is going to have some serious long-term implications for who this team is going to be. Maybe even next yeah. season, maybe for the next, maybe for the next five years. I, I I think this is going to be a very important stretch of Celtics basketball. Also, I just I just did get a text that the hope is for Luke Cornett to play tonight from a source close to him. So you could get your first taste of Luke Cornett tonight in Milwaukee. So there that's a, there's another positive spin. <laughs> I'm going to promote this show as having huge breaking news. <laughs> yeah, there's our big breaking Luke Cornett news. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening. And uh, we will talk to you all shortly.